0: Welcome on into the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. We've got Demetrius Nichols with us for another day here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. The only place for you to get daily SU pods. Be sure to check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. So today on the show, we're going to talk with Demetrius a lot more about his Syracuse career, his brief NBA career, including what it was like to go up against LeBron in practice because he played for the Cavs when he was starting out in his career. So we will talk about that with him and we'll also get to some other stuff about what his future endeavors are because he's gonna go into the broadcasting field once he's officially done with
1: his playing career. So we will get to all of that and more. Let's talk to Demetrius Nichols right now. Getting into your Syracuse career a little bit and your time on campus, what would you say is your favorite memory from playing at Cuse?
2: favorite member I had so many, so many. Um like I mentioned before, my first two years I really didn't play. I had to basically work my way up, bust my behind to get some time, earn that trust in Coach Beheim. I would say winning the Big East Championship my junior year, Jerry McNamara, uh when the world were, was against us and we you know we shocked the world, you know, winning the Big East Championship. I would say my senior year, senior day, last two home games, we played top five teams. We won both games. Uh, so many memories. I had 37 points. My my uh, career high first versus St. John's, great game. We almost lost, but we ended up winning late in that game. So many memories, but my, my fondest memory would be graduating. Obviously, you know, that wasn't playing, but and that was one of my greatest memories was graduating, walking across that stage, getting my getting getting my papers. So that's something that they can't take away from me. So I'm grateful and thankful for for the success I had on and off the basketball court.
0: You bring up that Big East Championship run, and of course that's the the famous run, G He he battles through injuries and, and you hear all the stuff. The overrated, the we wouldn't have won ten F games without G but what do you? What was the mantra like in that locker room? And, and why did it feel like it's it's the world against Syracuse? And how did you guys overcome that entire stigma held against you?
2: We just built it and we bonded together. You know, when that was all happening, that was kind of kind of kind of at the end of the season. You know, the Big East is usually at the end of the season, so going into the, the NCAA, so we already kind of had a bond, and that just actually brought us even closer to one another where, you know, you're fighting for the next guy next to you, you know, and, and we're brothers. And, uh, you know, he went out on such a big a big note, you know, just believing in uh, he was one of our leaders to lead us to that championship. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience. But just having that mentality, you know, us against the world, and it's still us against the world. You know, even though I'm not playing for Syracuse, I, you know, I still feel that. You know, I deserves a lot of a lot of a lot more things that they deserve. So uh, it's just part of it's just part of sports, just like another great underdog story or you want to call it an underdog season because we weren't supposed to win. Uh, I wasn't supposed to play well. Dre wasn't supposed to play well. And, and we proved everybody wrong. So we always had that chip on our shoulders.
1: Did you just tell during that stretch that like GMAC was kind of thinking a little bit differently or was just ultra competitive during that stretch? And what was he like to play on the same team as?
2: Well, we always had something to prove in practice during games. You always believe that we had something to prove. And when you're a senior, you always want to leave the court with your head held high, having no regrets. And that's a rule. He finished his career at Syracuse. He wanted to go out with style, and he did. Um, and I was just great to be a part of it. And um, you know, it was just—it was something that we'll always talk about. Something that is never going to be forgotten. The things that uh, we've done in that in that time in that era, when the critics were talking trash about us.
0: Is there a specific either, whether it's a a radio soundbite that you may have heard or a newspaper clipping that was out there that you guys all sort of bonded over and you kind of said, F that guy, like, we're going to go shock (laughs) the world right now.
2: Now, No, me personally, no, I didn't really watch TV when I was in college, the media, and most, and most, most college guys, I mean, I'm not sure about now. Era, but in the back in my day, we didn't really watch the media or sports and stuff like that because we wanted to be locked in and focused on what we had to do and how we were going to do it. And uh, and, and sometimes we we would hear something from a friend and we said, "Oh, okay, really? All right. Well, then we'll we'll bring that motivation into practice or into a game. And then we were usually late to the news." as a team when something was on TV, because like I said, we kind of try to just lock in on what things that we can control and uh, we can't control what, what people say, whether on the radio or on TV. So we kind of had our own little bond in the locker room or in practice where we made sure that we kept everything in house.
1: You talked about what, what coach Beheim means to you a little bit earlier on and how much he helped you. What are some things that are maybe a little bit misunderstood about him or his coaching style or anything like that?
2: Uh, some people think he doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's been—he's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason. He won the national championship for a reason. He's been here in Syracuse for a reason, and uh, he's had success. He's—he's—he's—he's—he's he's, 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 he's helped guys get to their dream for a reason. And like I said whenever we talk, we always talk about basketball and the game and what you can do to get better, how you can get better. What did I do to get better? And so it's like a universal conversation where the game is, 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 is everlasting. And that's something that, you know, he seems to, to, to be being here for over 30 years. It's, you know, it's amazing the things that he has accomplished. So just, just having that knowledge having those conversations with him just loving the game you know, he truly loves the game he i'm pretty sure he's excited to see Beheim's army to compete uh you know he's a great supporter and uh you know he's just a great great coach
0: yeah i know bayheim's army is one of the few times you're going to get coach bayheim to come out of his twitter shell and put out some words of encouragement For for this team, I think one thing that you bring up there and and talking about the misunderstandings is that this this guy knows what he's doing. There's a reason he's in the Hall of Fame, and one of the big debates and things that people like to contend with is this two-three zone. Is it the best thing for Syracuse? Should they play a little bit more man-to-man? But for you, as someone who is was a guy who was recruited by Jim Beheim, when you looked at the two-three zone as a recruit. Did at any point the defense that you were going to play in college detract from maybe what you wanted to, where you wanted to go?
2: Well, I came in 2013. I wasn't thinking about if I played two, three zone, man, I was just happy to get a scholarship from college, from a team who just won a national championship. So I wasn't really thinking about if I were going to go to Syracuse, am I going to be labeled as a guy who doesn't play defense? But. As I'm older and more mature and I travel the world and play basketball on every level and being on the outside looking in, you know, if you know, players some players may shy away, some some don't. You know, I feel like uh it all depends on who you are, what you can do. But I would love to see Syracuse play some man to man because we because Syracuse recruits guys like myself six eight, six nine, uh six ten guys long athletic that can run and jump. And I and and I'm pretty sure that guys could cause some havoc getting getting into the passing lane, getting block shots, getting more steals, running in transition, turning their in defense into offense. Uh just like zone zone defense is a weapon, I believe that man to man could be a weapon for any Syracuse team. But I don't make the rules.
1: <laughs> Did you guys ever practice it man to man while you were there?
2: Uh, we practiced man to man basically the whole practice. Uh, we would only go over zone last last couple of minutes in practice because there's certain philosophies, there's certain rules that you have to know that you learn throughout the years being in the Syracuse, uh, you know, you know team. You learn how to play it pretty quickly, but. If you look at it, a lot of we have some great defensive players who play professionally, who who came out of Syracuse that that play great one on one defense, and uh, so it's just a stereotype that people have, or excuses that people may have. Just another way for somebody to say something bad about Syracuse basketball. But uh, you know, I would love to see Syracuse guys play a little bit more man to man. It just gives you something different, and and like I said, I think that guys can get out in the pass lane, get those steals, get the block shots, and turn their defense into offense.
1: Plenty more to get to from this fun conversation with Demetrius Nichols, but first got to tell you about rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts. From hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it is for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Trust me, they are. I went the other day. And be sure when you go to check out the how did you hear about us box and write locked on in there so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com.
0: When you look at from an NBA standpoint of this, and and of course, that's the big knock on a lot of guys that go into the draft from Syracuse is not necessarily that they're bad at defense, but we just don't know what they are defensively. And you're a guy who was drafted into the NBA, but we've seen in recent years, Mm -hmm. a Tyus battle and O'Shea Brissett, guys who haven't been picked into the NBA, but maybe you can't speak for them, but for yourself, do you feel like you could have been a guy who instead of being a second-rounder, you could have been a first-rounder if they kind of had a grasp of what you were as a man-to-man defender in college?
2: Well, I was a second-rounder for other reasons, not because of my defense. And and uh, and Let's be honest here. Nobody really knows what a player is going to be like, doesn't matter what he does in college. Nobody really knows how a player is going to develop or what he's capable of until he makes it to the next level and proves it on a three-point line. So a player can be a great college three-point shooter but be a terrible NBA three-point shooter. Same thing with defense. So the level is totally different and it's based on basically perception, potential, what they think a guy could do. So you never really know unless you're a top-five player, but the rest of the guys, you know, you're basically going off of luck and what you think who you hope a guy can turn out to be.
1: I'm not sure if you saw this when it happened, but I know during that national championship rewatch, Coach Bayheim mentioned that Kevin Durant was maybe close to coming, depending on if Weaver stayed. Um, had you ever heard anything about that? And how much would that have changed maybe your playing career at Syracuse? Because he would have matched up with you.
2: Oh, for sure. I believe practice would have been a lot, a lot harder, uh, Coach Bichon would have probably had a have a have a have have a lot more options on offense, and we probably would have won a lot more games. But prior to the conversation about him coming here, I never heard anything like that. But coming from the Maryland area, Troy Weaver is 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 a recruiter. Well, he was a recruiter in that area, so I think it would have been a great thing. But you know, everybody wished and hoped that could happen, but we would never know.
0: Did you ever see him on campus, whether it was for visits or anything like that?
2: No, no. Uh, the only time I saw Kevin Durant was after school where we went into the draft and we had to go to Orlando to compete in the summer
0: league. Let's take a look at your NBA career for a little bit. Even though it was brief, I think it for you it was definitely eventful in the fact that let's just start with one of the first teams you played for, the Cleveland Cavaliers you're a backup behind LeBron James. Like when you look at the depth chart, your name is under LeBron James. What was it like playing on a team with LeBron?
2: That was, it was mind blowing. It was, it was crazy just to, you know, I, I started playing basketball late, you know, so I already have the underdog spirit, you know, I wasn't supposed to be as good as, you know, I designed myself to be, you know, I was an average kid, not confident you know, struggled on the basketball court in the classroom. But I put the work in, I put the time in, I believed in myself, and I did certain things to be successful on and off the basketball court. And I was grateful and thankful to make it to the big leagues. A lot of people can't say that, but playing behind him for those couple of months and having a cup of coffee and tea in the NBA was a great experience. I learned a lot, saw a lot, and took – and and. And try to take advantage of the time that I did get. I didn't get get the opportunity that I wish I had. Maybe we'll be talking in another, you know, form. But you know, I was grateful and thankful. And uh, we talked, we laughed, we partied. we, you know, we we did what teammates do. Uh, but it was a great experience, and um, I'm de- I'm very grateful and thankful, fortunate to make it to that level and still playing, still playing still playing basketball for 13 years, traveling the world. You know, like I said, I was excited to even get a college basketball letter, you know, in the mail with my name on it. Like I said, I, I, you know, I didn't come into basketball or started playing basketball good. I had to start from the bottom and work my way up. And uh, I always feel like, you know, I have an underdog type of story, inspiring story, because it wasn't easy for me. but But I'm an example of, if you do the right things, you take the right step, you can do whatever you put your mind to.
0: How often did you have to guard LeBron in practice? uh
2: for the time that I was there all the time all the time,
0: <laughs> so is that one of those things where you wake up in the morning, and it's like, "Oh man, I gotta do this again."
2: No, no way, I was ready. I was ready. I was ready to to compete I mean, you know it's you know when you're an athlete, you don't look at. Your teammate, like, oh, I'm afraid because you're afraid. If you're scared, then you have no chance of being successful, and that's just in life in general. So, I I felt that he bleeds the way I bleed. So there's no there's no fear. It's just about competing, getting your opportunities, and, and 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 succeeding when you do get your opportunities.
0: Was there ever a moment in a practice where you, you kind of embarrassed him a little bit. Like maybe you hit a jumper in his face or, or you blew by him, you crossed him up or something.
2: Uh, Well, me getting traded there, I didn't really get as much reps as you think I probably got. <laughs> uh, You know, there were a lot of guys who, 10-year vets, who would get in and stuff like that. But, you know, I would love to play shooting games. You know, we all played shooting games after practice. And I won a couple of spots, you know, as a group. And, you know, just the competitiveness in me, you know, like you can learn something every day. And and that's the beauty about basketball. That you can learn something every day and I feel like every day I learned something. I just wish I had a little bit more time and more opportunity to show my skills. But I'm grateful and fortunate and thankful that I can still play at a higher level.
1: So last year during TBT, you were broadcasting the tournament, I believe on radio, and I'm sure some listeners remember you on some of the games this year covering Syracuse. How did that journey into broadcasting start?
2: Well, I always knew I wanted to speak. I didn't, I, didn't, I just didn't know on what level the opportunity came. Prior to the TBT opportunity I had, I was doing some stuff with Professor John Nicholson, and, that was in, and the opportunity came about when I hurt my foot. So I took a year off. I had surgery on my foot. That's the only reason why I didn't play last year in the TBT. And they just threw me in the fire. And I actually did pretty well with the work I was doing before. And I just continued to learn and build and grow. And it went from Friday game, Saturday game, and Sunday game. And more opportunities started to come. I did some stuff with the ACC, and I also did some stuff with MSG Network with the G League, NBA G League, and Westchester Knicks. So uh, it was same thing with basketball. You learn something every day. So I was like the rookie where you know you're fresh and you know everything is new. So so you're excited. So I, I, I've learned. I've learned something every day, and with this COVID thing going on, I, have, I really had time to sit back, watch film, listen to myself, see ways I can get better, and that's what I'm about. You know, I try to take the same mentality I had off on, on the court, off the court, and try to have that same work ethic, not try, but have the same work ethic, work ethic that I had on the court.
0: What's the toughest part from being a guy, especially you, who you're not... Well, you're not really even removed from your basketball career, but mm-hmm. you, you go from being on that court to now you're sitting courtside watching these games. Do you ever, well, like, what's the toughest part in terms of having the withdrawals from being on the court?
2: Uh, age. <laughs> it made me think <laughs> that I'm getting up there at age. I would have never thought coming to the Syracuse, uh, you know, having a speech communication major. Like I said, I knew I was going to speak. I didn't just, you know, I didn't know what on what platform. But if you would have told me coming in as a freshman that, oh, you're going to be doing a TBT game 13, 14 years from now, I would think you're crazy. But uh, it was a great experience, and uh, like I said, I love, I love, I love the game. I love talking about the game. I love watching the game. I love debating. I love expressing you know what happened and why it happened and just giving the audience something else to think about and i think i have that ability to do that because i've seen basketball played all over the world whether it's college nba in europe i've seen some great basketball and and i feel like my eye is is unique
0: is there a certain person that you watch on TV, whether ESPN, Fox? All, I mean, there's a thousand different networks. There's podcasts, too. But is there a guy out there that you watch that you really admire their work and, and you kind of model? And, and I'm sure there's guys you modeled your game after from an athletic standpoint, mm-hmm. but is there a guy who you modeled mm-hmm. your game after from a broadcasting standpoint?
2: Yeah, uh, I like uh, Richard Jefferson. I like Jamie Rose. I like Fran. Fran Franchella, he does college basketball. Um, uh, I like Jay Billis. You know, all those guys are great. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dick Vitale. You know, you know these guys have been doing it for years and years and years, and you can learn something just by watching one game. You can learn so much, and it's just you know, it's it's like if you pay attention enough. You can get better if you put your mind to it, and that's what I try to do. Whenever I come across a game, I take some notes, and you know, I just try to get better. I try to I try to take that same mentality, that same approach I had on the court and off the court, and try to be successful that way. Because I know basketball, physically, is not forever, you know. But I could, if I can speak about the game and talk about the game and watch the game, love the game, express the game to people, to fans. I think that would be a pretty cool.
1: Well, as someone who got a chance to work with you a little bit at the ACC network, I can vouch mm-hmm. for how hard of a worker you were, and saw it off the off the studio a little bit. But what would you say is the is more nerve wracking, suiting up for a game when that tip starts, or when you put on the headset, <laughs> and the green light goes on for calling a game?
2: Uh, that's that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh man, you know both. Both are pretty, pretty damn intense, pretty nerve wracking. But like basketball, you get butterflies. And same thing with broadcast. I'm pretty sure guys get butterflies. Uh it was just a it was just a great experience, but because I've played basketball at a high level, you gotta you gotta have that mentality where, okay, let's go. It's just you know, it's time to do it. You know, this is what you're prepared for. And when you prepare you give yourself confidence and 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 you're ready for your opportunity. I think you only get scared and afraid when you don't prepare and when you don't know what's going to happen. But when you prepare, you kind of already know what what's going on and and how it's going to be now it's just up to you to believe in in all the hard work and that's what I try to do.
1: Last question before we let you go. You were around the team a lot last year from broadcasting and stuff like that. What do you make of the state of the program right now?
2: I think with all the transfers, guys guys transferring Jalen Kerry, Bryson Godine transferring, guys, you know, guys going to the NBA, hopefully. Um I think it's gonna be interesting. You know, they have they have a couple of new recruits coming in and guys that guys that can help Jimmy Behind, J G three. Uh I think it's gonna be interesting. I think I think the team's gonna be a lot better this year coming up than last year. Uh you know, even though we're losing well, even though Syracuse is losing a twenty point score and Elijah Hughes. But they have a nice group of guys coming in who who I think can help the team, especially on the defensive end. Uh so we'll see. You know, only time will tell. Uh, you know these guys have to be ready. It has a lot to do with how fast you could relate to the physicality and the mental approach of a college basketball game versus high school. So I said, we'll see.
0: All right, Demetrius, appreciate you spending some time with us here. Best of luck in TBT. Safe travels to you guys, and hopefully everyone tests negative, All and right. we can see this uh, Beheim's Army team make a little run.
2: Yes, I hope so. Game is at 4 o'clock July 7th, so
0: stay tuned. Super fun stuff right there with Demetrius Nichols. We're going to hopefully talk to more Bayhimes Army guys throughout the tournament. Hopefully they make a long run and we'll kind of get the inside look from what's going on in the inner island out in Columbus, Ohio. I saw Malachi Richardson is the first member of Bayhimes Army to check in in the the little bubble that they've got going in Columbus, so... Hopefully, we will talk to a couple more Bayheims Army guys throughout the tournament. We are off tomorrow, so we will be back on Monday. And we're going to have a ton to get to on Monday because with football recruiting, if you've been looking through the Twitterverse, especially out of the Syracuse coaches, it looks like it's going to be a pretty hefty weekend for Syracuse football recruiting. So we will get to a lot of that stuff. And also, Dior Johnson might be reclassifying to 2021 which would be huge news for Syracuse. I know Tim and I have kind of been downers that he's going to come in 2022, but 2021, that completely changes my perspective on what Dior could do with the orange. So we will get into all of that and more on Monday's show. Have a safe 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you all enjoy that. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you on Monday.